Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We need to go over to Randy and Paula and Simon, see what they think. <laughs> How was this performance, guys? Because that is, in fact, Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> is this what you sang on stage yesterday when you came out? I did, guys. You know, when I MC an event, I come out singing. <laughs> Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. One of the great things about working here is we have the window out into the hall and occasionally people walk past and we're doing whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And Mark Garrison just walked by and Jennifer Hudson's belting out the, the climax here and I have no idea what he's thinking in his head. He's probably thinking, yeah, it's pretty much what I thought. He's probably Sounds thinking, like- what are the other radio stations in the hallway took over the radio station? <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Or he's thinking, yeah, that sounds like Beth's brain. Could <laughs> be. Beth's brain. That's the segment we do every day to start the show. The song that Beth woke up to in her head, and this is the one today. This is today's from Dreamgirls. This is the version. I, I love that you picked this version. It's Jennifer Hudson from the film. She won an Oscar for this performance. And she did not even win American Idol. Yeah, she was third, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they kicked Simon off that show. That's right. Nobody could ever get through. I was just thinking a minute ago, I sort of dated myself, right? Because when I say American Idol, I say Randy and Paula and Simon. Yeah. And yeah. kids today, it's uh, what? Uh, Katy Perry and the country singer that oh. has the bubble in his Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. <laughs> and Lionel Richie. And Lionel Richie. Come on, Lionel Richie. I Everyone likes Lionel Richie. Yeah, you can't not like Lionel Richie. But but there's a whole generation that does not think of Simon with American Idol. He no. thinks of him with the, the one on the uh, America's, America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. And there's yeah. a whole generation that have no idea who Paula Abdul is. Yeah. I'm not sure that Paul Abdul knows who Paul Abdul is anymore. <laughs> she actually had a flighty there. Oh, yeah, she did. She, she did. did. So did you have a yeah. good time yesterday? I had an amazing time yesterday at the uh, Isabella Santos Foundation event. It was called A Morning in Paris, and I was uh, was lucky enough to be asked to be the MC. There were about 150 uh, fabulous women there. That's the really cool thing about this organization is they are changing the face of, of childhood cancer treatment. I mean, they've basically redone Levine Children's um, for rare cancers, rare pediatric cancers. And it's a it's a place that people from all over the world come to now because of the work that these women do. And I can't think of anything more appropriate for International Women's Day than being with all of those ladies yesterday. And of course, we had uh, Aaron on the show several times leading up to this. But uh, and and I I was not there because I was off doing my own thing. Right. We, we both left the show. You early would have been yesterday. the only fella there, which that what might have been great. That might have been such a a really fun thing for you. It's like the it's like the the few women that end up going to the Goodfellas luncheon every yes. year and vice versa. Yes, I do have to tell a funny story though. 
Okay. Uh, I got dressed here at the station yesterday because I came in, you know, in my normal jeans because I didn't want to sit here for a couple of hours doing the show in a dress. So I went and got dressed in the bathroom and the 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 the, the end of the hall here. And I, as I was putting on my dress and my Spanx, um, I realized my arms weren't long enough to zip my dress and there was nobody in the women's bathroom. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just have to go out into the hallway and and whoever the first person I see is, I'm going to ask them to zip my dress. Wait, so- I know who it was, but I want to see if, if John and Jim can pick out who they think it was that walked by to help you. Just give you one, one guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pat McCrory. No! <laughs> that, that would have been possible well, yesterday. that would have been possible. And that would have been about equally I was trying good. to think of the, the timing and the day. <laughs> no, it was... It could Jensen. Have... Brett Jensen. No, he was already in here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is actually better better than both. So I poke my head out of the bathroom, and it's T-Bone, <laughs> the morning host of the Sports Talk radio show on WFNZ. So I go out to him, and I'm like, hey, T-Bone. And he was about to walk into the men's bathroom, and he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, can you, uh, can you zip my dress for me? <laughs> and I go over to him, and he goes to zip, and I have on Spanx, and they're the, the Spanx that, you, that have, like, the full-body straps and everything. So he's like, what's going on back there, Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> <laughs> That's about exactly what I would expect Just to, to make say. it as awkward as possible. It was, I mean, because it's two awkward people, you know, having to look like we're getting dressed in the hallway. And I think the last thing he said before he goes into the bathroom, he was like, I think your husband's going to come find me and hunt me down. Like, I think about uh, them often because, you know, uh, they've been in the building for, what, three, four years now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for the longest time, it was just uh, this station and 107.9. And then uh, when a previous ownership bought us, uh, the, the last thing they did was they, they bought WFNZ and brought them over here. And those guys, slowly but surely over the years, have kind of acclimated to the scene here. But you never know what's going to happen in this building because you throw the TV station into it and People can be walking down the hall here yeah. at random times, and you just never know. And 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 those guys uh, coming from where they were, you know, sports land, and, and just not not the same kind of place this is. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff that they that, that always happens to T-Bone. Well, well yeah, it's the, the one thing you never, the sentence you never think you're going to utter in the course of your day is, T-Bone, can you zip my dress? <laughs> it's such a family here, and you know, I wear. A, Ball cap, like what do you think? Like once a month, maybe. So yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. But they dress like they're going to a game every day, or that they're actually participating in the game every day. And so today, I'm wearing a North Carolina hat because I married a Tar Heel, and I'm actually recording with David Chadwick. So I thought I would honor them and wear my Tar Heel hat today. I see T Bone in the hallway, and he starts to talk to me. He's a big Duke fan. He looks at me, and goes nah, and he walks down the stairs. He goes, like, "You literally wear like a Duke hat like almost every day." Do I ever go, "Oh, Duke hat"? I cannot speak to you because you're wearing a Duke hat. Well, he they worked. take it like like personally, but like seriously, personally, like they're not kidding. But like, he I'm not works talking. in a studio with a guy who they actually wear the game jerseys someday of the Tar Heel all they the were, time. They wear cleats. Yeah. <laughs> They were football pants with the pads in them. I mean, it's just like they look like they're actually having a game. They probably do wear cleats. They have cleats. I've One never... day they're wearing football helmets. It's so weird. It's for the crown. Uh... <laughs> No, that's a different sport. They're kits. Yes. <laughs> that is true. All right, look, uh, Beth doesn't even know this, but uh, we're going to talk to Ray Stagett coming up in a few minutes. Oh, because cool. uh, the weather is getting colder for the weekend, and those of you who have been hating this uh, unseasonable, you know, balmy February stuff, yeah. uh, we're finally in March going to feel a little bit like February and January we're supposed to feel. Uh, whether it means that four-letter S word anytime soon. Before the uh, winter is over, because Ray was the guy one week ago that said, "Hey, just just uh, thumbtack it." I'm not saying he's predicting that, but he's the one who said, "Don't get out all the spring stuff for good just yet." Remember that last yes, week? Yes, he surely did. So we're going to see if he's going to double down on that. Don't or call whether... him Shirley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
Uh, so we'll check in with our uh, Weather Channel meteorologist extraordinaire coming up in just a few. Uh, some point today, I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Oh, I, sorry, I just no, totally, I no, just totally your, your story is, your story was great. Uh, Bo had news happen again where he went. You yeah, know, we did, always joke about. Are where he, you serious? I'm never news. going anywhere. Big with news, you. wherever Bo goes. I didn't even think about this, but then you said it when I walked in this morning. I'm like, yep, actually, something. I mean, it, the it most, happened again. There's like a thousand games yesterday. I'm not gonna <laughs> give it away, but he goes to the one game where like the biggest news story. Oh, the one yeah. game out of 47 years. So it wasn't danger. It wasn't like no. you were in danger because most of the time it's danger that follows you. No, it was you. it was historic. Woohoo! Sometimes yeah. it's lawn chairs with balloons coming out of the sky. Yeah. You yeah, never yeah, know yeah. what's gonna happen. It's, it's a I'm a grab bag of experiences. I also have to tell everyone about my fight with scissors this morning. Well, see, that sounds already better than mine. <laughs> We're not. We, this is going to be something that we just, like, I'll have to stay on Vince's show to get the mark. All right, 613 on WBT. It's, uh, it, we go from, uh, hey, can you zip my dress to uh, fun with scissors, or running with scissors. <laughs> a fight with my scissors. All right, it is News Talk 1110 WBT. Good morning, BT is the show. I'm Bo, and Beth is here, and we have on the WBT hotline, Weather Channel meteorologist Ray Stajic. Wanted to uh, get Ray on with this. It was about a week ago we were talking, and he said, "Hey, just uh, hang on for a second. Don't don't uh, don't assume that uh, that's that it's time to go to the beach yet, and, and break out the summer plans because March could end up giving us uh, a bit of a reprise. I mean, I don't even know if reprise is the right word. We 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 had some really really cold weather around Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but I mean, thus far in 2023, I mean January and February have been downright balmy, but." Here we are uh, in the 40s to start Thursday, and uh, if, if, you, if you like the cold stuff, or at least the cooler stuff, then uh, your ship seems to have come in, at least momentarily. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you're a country music fan, but there's a song Randy Travis sang, I told you so, <laughs> and you know, there's oh. times where, yeah, there's times I kind of want to get out there, they, you know. Maybe I told you so. The, the month running so far, 10 degrees above normal. Mm. So we all got that little sense of kind of security saying, hey, are we done with the cold? Meaning, are we done with the frost and freeze especially? I think the answer to that question is no. Um, eastern parts of the state of North Carolina, actually some frost advisories um, in effect for, I think it's tomorrow morning. Either way, they're out there. And... It does look like we'll see some chillier air come in. And in the longer range, and I know Bo's probably looked, um, we may even have an opportunity to see some snowflakes in the mountains and maybe, maybe even a little bit further east, longer range as we look ahead toward maybe next weekend. You know, Bo, you and I, we love to look ahead. And um, the, the pattern is certainly going to be more below average temperatures than anything else. So we could technically, technically this time, this time next week, feel uh-huh. like we should have felt in January? Um, yeah, maybe this time next week. Um, if you buy the American model, and I favor the American model, not because most of the time it's just a little hot in the long range, but because I like snow and I like big storms. But it's at least indicating at, you know, sometime late next week into next weekend, uh, some colder air and another storm. The pattern really looks more like a wintertime pattern than it does, um, you know, the latter part of the winter. I mean, now we're going to get this trough in the east. There's going to be cold air coming down. Now, certainly this time of year it modifies because, you know, the sun angle in the sky is higher and this and that. But um, certainly going to see the reflection in temperatures. And as I said, um, probably not going to see the 80s for a while. Um, And we'll certainly see temperatures going back to 
values that are going to be below normal um, after, let's see, you know, a lot of 60s and 70s. Didn't have an 80-degree day yet this month, but uh, are certainly not going to get that. The average high, as I click around here, is 62. Um, may have a couple of days over the next week where we're there, but more below average temperatures than anything else. Well, and, and uh, so that's looking uh, about a week out. If you go back to this weekend, uh, there, there is, I mean, precipitation on, on uh, Sunday, latter half of your weekend. That, that's for sure. But you are dipping down into uh, 30s and 40s for wake-up temperatures. So then that's why people are, are starting to look at that and go, all right. Because I heard somebody talking yesterday. I was actually in Greensboro. And I heard somebody talking about eastern North Carolina or further eastern North Carolina. And, uh, you know, perhaps you're getting more of a, of a line, a line of, of stuff this week. But Charlotte, uh, not not really in that striking distance. No, I mean, it's elevation and to the west. Um, there actually could be um, some accumulating wet snow as we get into, um, it looks like it's going to be late Saturday night and early Sunday. But, you know, here around Charlotte and points east, uh, I don't even think that wet snow is even a mention within, uh, you know, even 50 miles to the west of us. So, you know, that's kind of how it goes this time of year when you get these colder events and it's in march um, usually any snow that's around is confined to uh the higher elevations but yeah some of the guidance actually picking up uh, maybe some accumulating snow you get up near boone and into the higher elevations above uh, five or six thousand feet uh, you could see that but it's going to be chilly with the rain here on sunday we might not get out of the 40s and that rain will be around for sunday and then early next week we bounce up briefly to near 60 monday but then we're only in the 50s for Tuesday and Wednesday. It could get wow. frosty here as we may see some lows near or below freezing, even into the upper 20s. So, as I said, we'll average more below average numbers than we will above as we go through the next uh, seven days and probably even beyond that. Speaking of, of cold temperatures, I want to ask you about some of the weather headlines that we've been seeing before we let you go. Uh-huh. Uh, California has just been pummeled with snow just north of Los Angeles, about two hours north of Los Angeles. People are still snowed in. And the last headline that I saw was that there is an atmospheric river over that area and that they might even see more of some of this dangerous snow piling on top of what they already have. All right. I'll try to keep this as brief as I can. Now, earlier in the winter, they had some of these heavy rain and snow events, atmospheric river events, what they call them. And that's when you get a little bit more of a tap of moisture coming out of the subtropical Pacific, more toward the south, and you kind of get this fire hose of moisture that just keeps continuing to pound one area time after time. That is developing, and we are going to see that today, tomorrow, and maybe another one coming in early next week. So, yes, more heavy rain, more higher elevation snowfall. The problem is going to be not only the heavy rain, maybe in excess of six inches of rain in some spots, but the snow levels are coming down or up, excuse me. So there's going to be rain at places that have seen feet of snowfall. And you throw rain and mild temperatures on top of that, there's going to be a flood risk. There's going to be a mudslide and a rock side risk. And along with the wind and then above in some of the highest peaks, another five to six feet of snow. Just an amazing amount of snowfall out west this year. Um, unlike the systems that brought all the heavy snow, they were more like upper-level lows coming down from the north, bringing in the colder air. So atmospheric rivers are a little bit different than what brought them all the snow. Atmospheric rivers are more like an event um, more than it is a storm system. But either way, what's the difference? We all want to know what's the results. Rain mm-hmm. and snow in some of the higher elevations and big problems continuing in California. They just found, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, at least a dozen people that have been trapped in, you know, fatalities, actually, from people that were trapped in the snow in the San Bernardino Mountains. It's just mm. crazy. Ray, uh, got to stop it there. We appreciate the update, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. News Talk 1110 WBT. want to remind you, golfers, if you're out there listening, join Narrow Way Productions for Narrow Way on the Fairway coming up on March 20th. It's a charity tournament that will be a scramble at the private Firethorn Country Club. Register your team today at narrowwaygolf.com. Corporate sponsorship still available as well. It's narrowwaygolf.com. So you were saying earlier, heading into, uh, before you were talking, about, uh, talking to Ray Stajic, about, uh, so there was the... There was the incident in the hall. Yes, where T-Bone had to zip my dress yesterday and uh, discovered my Spanx as he was zipping my dress and asked me uh, what was going on. <laughs> what was going on back there? Not weird at all. <laughs> and then there, there was something with scissors. That, so I, we, can't, we can't say this and then not pay off on it. Right. Well, I, I had a fight with scissors this morning. And ladies, I know that they're, they're, I, can't be, I cannot be the only one who's done this. I can't. But maybe I am because I kind of feel like I'm a five-year-old right now. I was up this morning kind of running around doing my thing. And my bangs, I can't get into my hairdresser for an appointment. Like, I've been trying to get in to get my hair cut, get my roots done, the whole thing. It's been months. <laughs> So my hair has gotten really because long. Of COVID. It, it's of COVID. <laughs> and my hair has gotten really long and it was just in my face when I was trying to feed my dogs and everything this morning. And, you know, you're bleary eyed at three thirty in the morning. You don't necessarily make the best decisions. I grabbed not good scissors. I grabbed my fingernail scissors, like the curved ones, you know, these teeny tiny little curved fingernail scissors. <laughs> and I just cut my bangs. <laughs> I just cut them off, and they're they're like it looks like you remember when you used to cut your bangs or your Barbies bangs? Y'all didn't have Barbies, y'all don't know. Wait, ladies out just, there, she just said to two guys. <laughs> remember when you used to cut your bangs and your Barbies bangs with the curved scissors? You guys don't. Of know. Of course, somebody out there. I had GI Joe was actually a personal barber for. <laughs> But it's Kung Fu Grip. Somebody help me out out there. Please tell me you've done this. But I did a really bad job because, A, it was 3.30 in the morning. B, I was annoyed. And C, I did it with teeny tiny little fingernail scissors. And so I have my hair in a ponytail today, and I have these strange bangs that are sticking. You're like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I do. I'm kidding. You're, they actually go down to your eyebrows. She's exaggerating like they're like all the way up her forehead. Oh. Oh, they, they they are way shorter than I've ever ever had bangs, and I'm not sure that I just I'm not sure I needed bangs. But today at 3:30 in the morning, I thought that they were necessary. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> and you cut your Barbie's bangs. No, the worst thing that you could do I always heard was cut your own hair. Oh, it's terrible! You should never cut your own hair. But when you think about it, it, it we, look, we've all ha- also had the thought, and, and maybe I'm the only one, but I, I feel like we've all had the thought that it shouldn't be that hard to do. Like you just if if like I was always told that uh, even if you have like this little strand that you think you can fix, you should not try to do that. Yeah, I, well, I, I've kind of always. Do you remember? <laughs> Leave it to the professionals to cut a little strand up your head. But I mean, you but, say this to me now, Bo. After but, I cut my bangs. <laughs> but I, if you wouldn't have said anything today, I wouldn't have noticed. Oh, really? Really? I, 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 I think you think it's worse than it is. Well, I came in and I walked into the bathroom because they were kind of blowing in the wind. <laughs> but I you felt... keep messing with them. Like you'll sit over there and like, like, like the, the first five minutes you were here.
here today. It was like, and it kept and it kept I'm, falling back to your face. And I'm like, it's a, it, it looks fine. It because looks before normal. I could tuck it behind my ear. You know, I, I had yeah. like a long sweep, and I could get it in my eyes. I could tuck it behind my ear, and now it's just like tickling my eyebrow. <laughs> you know, the solution is to have T-bone come cut your hair. I should cut your bangs. Well, did you ever watch the infomercials late at night when you were in college, or maybe a little after college, and the Floby came on, and you thought <laughs> Floby? Uh, the Floby. It was like a vacuum. It was like a vacuum hair cutter. And I remember you, that. You just like mm-hmm. sucked you your hair. Oh, yeah. You do? I never had a haircut with one, but I've seen it. Well, it didn't last very long because nah. it lasted like a year. You'd put like a measurement in the Floby, and then it would tell you like, I'm going to cut three inches off my hair. And then you'd put the Floby on your hair and you'd suck it up into the vacuum. Suck your hair right off. And it would cut your hair. I thought it was a great idea, and I always wanted to get you the Floby and use it to just cut my hair. I thought it would be so like much Like, it doesn't easier. exist anymore, I don't think. I, but I'm looking it up, and it's very much a thing. It still course, exists. It has that little that little logo as seen on TV. Uh, yes. <gasps> but I've never I've never seen this. The Floby. It's probably at Spencer's. I've seen the, <laughs> I've seen the Ginsu Knives commercial 50 million times. Wait, is that still around, too? I, but, well, my point is is that for a while, when I was a kid, it was everywhere. Yeah. How did I miss the Floby? The Floby. Well, this was college. You should put some flex seal on it, too. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it so funny? Don't you just see? Like, can't you see me in my, 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 well, probably not the kitchen is not a good place to do it, but maybe the bathroom with a Floby and a Mm -hmm. vacuuming my hair off. I just, I think it's just. I thought that's what happened today. No, it was fingernail scissors. All right, I was today years old when I learned what a Floby was. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, that's common knowledge. Well, yeah, I guess so. I think it must have been a generational thing then. Although you and Beth are the same age. Well, he must have been must cooler. different TV shows. He was cooler. <laughs> he was out and about with his friends. I was up eating ice cream, watching infomercials with no, manicure I was gloves No, I was on. in the back room trying to cut my own hair. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. All right, nine in front of seven here on WBT, Thursday, March 9th. We'll begin by uh, rolling back your market close on Wednesday. Stocks ending mixed after Fed Chief Jay Powell testified before Congress for a second day, signaling that rates will move higher than expected and remain elevated. Markets remain concerned about rising bond yields and higher interest rates. Two-year Treasury yields higher for the third day in a row to a 16-year high. The Fed chair also saying no decision has been made yet about interest rate policy for the Fed's March meeting. All eyes are on this week's jobs numbers to be released Friday. But private payroll showing higher than expected job growth. In New York, Jerry Willis, Fox News. Dow futures up 11, S&P futures down 7, NASDAQ futures down 59. Hope today's so far so good. Hope you stick with us for a while here on WBT. And uh, if you like what you hear, listen more and more. Tell your friends. All that good stuff. We're having fun here every day. It's okay to say that every once in a while. Yeah, tell all your friends. I said that yesterday to everybody in the audience at the ISF event. I was like, start listening to WBT from 6 to 10, guys. You'll feel better. So if you're you're brand new to the show, listening for the first time, where have you been? Retweet me. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much. (laughs) We do. We got new people coming in every day, and uh, we're we're having fun. We're doing things here. I I say this on occasion, but it really is true. Uh, The show that we do now is... Really, uh, I mean, it's patterned after the show that I grew up listening to on this station. 
Uh, and, and that's various different people. But, you know, you're going to get the news of the day, but you're also going to walk out the door with a smile on your face, we hope, and uh, not take everything so seriously. And, you know, have plenty of stuff to talk about when you hit the water cooler, right? Yes. Does anybody really have a water cooler they stand around at the office? We have one right here in the yeah, corner of our room. Yeah, we got one right between you and Beth. This, I know, but we, I mean, like, like... Only Bernie uses it, though. I know we have that one, but I'm saying, is there a place at any office where people gather around, like, physically, really, the water cooler and just talk about stuff? I bet it's the coffee pot. I think it so, is. because I think people have to get up from their cubes, right? Their cubicles, and they go over to the coffee pot and chat with their neighbor. Yeah, there's friendly, nice notes there for the employees about coffee. <laughs> <laughs> or to discuss this commercial, which was dropped this week by the Ford Auto Company. For the first time ever, we've completely reimagined the automobile. Introducing the men's only Ford Explorer. With no windshield wipers, no heater, no turn signals. <laughs> Wait, no rearview mirror? No GPS? Are you kidding? Ah, it's missing all the parts created by women. Wow, whose great idea was that? This Women's History Month, Ford salutes the visionary automotive work by women past, present, and future. I didn't know women invented all that stuff. I know! I have cold chills, and I've seen that commercial now probably ten times. I saw it and thought, what, when it first came out, at first I was like, what? The men's only explore what you know, and then it kept going, and I was like, "This is fantastic! Way to go, Ford!" I haven't seen it yet, but what a great way to showcase the talents of 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 women. I mean, the people that we didn't know invented things like the windshield wiper and the turn signal and the GPS. I mean, you where think was about the seat warmer? <laughs> That's probably that had to be a one. Yeah, that had to be a one. Seat warmer. You think exactly. that? Well, the heating system. I think the guys would do the the cooling one, but I think the heat. The heated seats would be would be a, it would be a woman, thing. but what a great way to say! I mean, there are so many. I I feel like these skills, you know, math brains and and communication skills, all of these things that live inside of us, the passion that lives inside of us. In my personal view, my personal belief, I think that, that God puts it there that you are you are you are born with a purpose in your heart, and the the great thing that this commercial does is it showcases it doesn't matter race, gender, color, the, the, the passion is there. We just need to have our hearts open enough, A, to realize what the passion is, and B, to allow those passions to flourish in others. And that's what this commercial does in my brain. I, I, and I love that. It's a great spot, and it's a kind of like a bait-and-switch spot. You think it's an SNL parody to start yes, with, yes. And, then it, and then it comes around at the end and makes a very good point. Makes a great point about talent and what we would not have were it not for the brilliant minds of women and the, the, the brilliant minds of, the, of all of the people around them who allowed their passion and their skills to flourish and to come to fruition and then to utilize them in the car. Here's a now. This is not uh, a, a gender-related uh, thought. This is more just human thought. Yeah. Okay. But it's a question I just thought of as you were talking about what you were talking about. How many people out there do you think go through life 
live and die and never tap in to the thing that they're they're most like like you just said a minute ago we all have something that's in us right yeah and and there are a lot of times like i have no idea whether um i have i could have been a good musician but i have two brothers who are really good and i always have this joke with them where i say they say which what, what, what instrument do you play and i say well i talk and uh, i play my vocal cords and i said i, I said i'm a really good musician it's just untapped mm. like i wonder like it, the genes are in my family two out of three of my, of, of my parents kids have are musicians I'm not but I wonder if I'd ever actually sort of really tried to make that happen whether it could have so the overarching point is are there people out there who obviously uh, answer their calling and yeah. do what they do yeah. but how many people out there never tapped the right thing you ever wonder about that I I do all the time um, anytime that I've been asked to come in and do you know motivational speaking one of the things that I focus on is is finding your purpose unlocking that thing that might be hidden inside of you. And it really comes down to uh, letting go of fear and oftentimes letting go of social expectations. Um, but I think with Bo, I think you you tapped right into your passion. You knew what you wanted to do early, early on. Same with you, Jim. You guys were listening to radio transistor radios in your bedrooms when you were teeny tiny what a bunch of goobers but it's <laughs> and look at us now <laughs> we're well, still doing it and you're but see but you're living your passion you're living yeah. your dream and 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 you found a way to make a living at it and I, 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 all of us you know should be so lucky and i i think the thing that happens is we get lost in the you should do you should have you should have and we should have d- all over ourselves and instead we don't find the or we don't allow that thing to 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 flourish or to come to light because we're scared of maybe what people will think or 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 we're scared of not being or sometimes scared of not succeeding at like, it Bo, if you were to write a song and sing it and play it here on the radio as a morning show host on this radio station <laughs> That would Don't. go over. We would yeah. love. We would welcome that and love that. Yeah. Because times are getting tough now, and I think it'd be great if you did a song, and did the vocals and the music, and played it on the radio like for us. Song. Maybe yeah. take the weekend and bring that in on Monday. All together now. Good morning. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So you just played that clip from West Durham, uh, and I want to I wanna play a, a little more West Durham right here because uh, I just got a text about this. I didn't see this because I was at the game. I wasn't watching it uh, on the ACC network, but apparently this rolled at some point yesterday. It was always easy to spot the cool teachers. Growing up in North Carolina, one of the very best days of the year was the Friday of the Atlantic Coast Conference basketball tournament. And if we were lucky enough to have one of those cool teachers, we knew that on that day, the TV would be wheeled in on the cart 
and we'd watch the best basketball in the country for most of the afternoon. Now, see, I was talking to Winterbull yesterday afternoon. We were crossing the streams, and uh, Matt Doherty was in there. And I had not seen this thing that West Durham did, but I almost, it's, it's almost like I wrote that because I said, you know, Coach, I said, and we were talking to Winterbull because, you know, he's from the West Coast, so the ACC tournament's a, a little bit newer of a thing to him, at least being here in Tobacco Road. And I said, that was really a thing. Like, like if you were in school, I remember vividly being in middle school, and if you had a teacher who – who was an ACC basketball fan? They'd wheel the the Bernie's looking like me like crazy. <laughs> He'd wheel the big tube TV in mm-hmm. and plug it into the wall, and uh, instead of class that day, you'd be able to watch the ACC tournament. You don't? Do you remember this, Beth? That never once happened in any class that I was ever in. So uh-huh. maybe I had no cool teachers. I was about to say it means you had no cool teachers. I mean, I remember <laughs> it being wheeled in, and we'd watch movies or something based on a book we were reading in class. But not one time ever in the history of my life did anyone ever wheel in a TV to watch basketball. Hubert Davis actually referenced because his uncle is uh, Walter Davis, the great yeah. Tar Heel player. Right. That not only did they wheel that in, but sometimes they would cancel classes. Like yeah. send kids wow. home at some schools. That's oh. the super cool. Oh, like no. in college? You mean like in, in a college class? In a- uh, he kind of made it sound like in high school because See, we never had that. And, and a lot of times the teachers had to be stealth about it. Like they they would act like they were going to show us some some movie about the subject we were talking about, and they close the door, make sure no administrators are around, and then switch it over to the ACC tournament. Um, I'm so what? jealous right now. I had to sneak a transistor radio in my little bag. And run a little little cord up th- through my collar and into my ear. That's exactly. So I could listen to it. I, I, we didn't have. The, wow, what a nerd that. transistor radio! Y'all are I did. So I did. Cute. That's what I was telling the exact same story to Doherty yesterday. I used to wear a long sleeve shirt and then take the Walkman headphone off and string it through your shirt and look like look like this, like your hand was <laughs> on your ear, like you were listening to the class. What? I, Woody Durham. I mean, we're, Woody Durham and Jim Hevner on right here on WBT. We are, that's how we did it. Wow, I feel like I just got a, a little peek into a to the lives of boys or now something. Now you know why John, just... why John Moore and me can't shake each other because basically he. While was, you were yeah, cutting while you were cutting Malibu Barbie's hair with your scissors, <laughs> this was going on in the classroom. Now you guys were listening to basketball. Zoki said today, I didn't even think about it this way, but he said, you know, you you left the show again, and then some historical thing happened. Every the t- time Bo the, leaves, <laughs> the time I went, some to, newsworthy event happens. Where, 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 he, where is, he is, where he is. So yesterday I go to the game, and my daughter goes to Wake Forest. So I, I left uh, at nine o'clock yesterday. Uh, to go drive to Greensboro to see the first game. And, and it was Syracuse and it was Wake Forest. And it was a great game. I mean, it was a buzzer beater. And, and, and I told my daughter, I said, you may, that may be the game of the tournament right there. Uh, and it may be the best game you ever see Wake play while you're here. Uh, in the ACC tournament, you know, survive in advance. But then I got in the car and we're kind of on this high of, of Wake winning and all Higher that Higher than stuff. high? <laughs> Higher than high. <laughs> And then my phone died on the way home, so I didn't check. You know, I wasn't able to check my phone for about an hour and a half. And I get home, and all I see when I finally charge it back up is Bayheim, Bayheim, Bayheim. I was like, "What did Bayheim do?" Uh, this is what Bayheim did. This is uh, ACC one there, John Moore, Jim Bayheim post game. They started asking him about uh, his his future, and well, here's how it unfolded. I wanted to come back and coach these guys, and and uh, that's what, what what I was able to do, and. Uh, the university hasn't offered me anything, whether to work or do anything at the university. That's their choice. Um, I was, it was great to see Mike Krzyzewski's at Duke and Roy Williams is at North Carolina and Mike Bray is going to work for Notre Dame. That's, that's great. Uh, uh, I haven't had any conversations about that. 
I hope that we will. But uh, I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I, I think you missed it. <clears throat> I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except Will, William Payne figured it out. So, so are, you, are you saying right now that you're, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're not saying... I think I just saying... said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you, you're not sure whether you're... When will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. So Syracuse said after the game was over, they confirmed that he is stepping down and uh, they're moving on from him. Now, I, I sound like Brett, Brett Jensen when I say this, but I literally had the conversation with my daughter during the game. We were talking during a timeout, and I said, see that guy over there? And I, was, I said, that's Jim Beheim. I said, he's been doing this for 47 years. Now think about that. She's going, wow, that's a long time. And I said, yeah. I said, I don't know how much longer he's going to do this, but, I mean, he's a big deal. I said, he's Hall of Fame coach. He was a, you know assistant coach for the Olympic team, won national championships. So I just kind of given her the, the, the profile of Jim Beheim. And then after the game is over, you know, Wake was the story for just a little bit there, and, and I hope they, you know, win again today and move on. It was, it was great if you're a Deacon fan, but that was a huge sports world story. I mean, one of the all-time greats just sort of— And you were there. I was there. There you are. You're like Forrest Gump. I, I, saw, I saw not just a great game. I saw a historic game. You saw a historic game. I mean, out of 47 years, and that was the last one. And that yesterday. sounded very much like, to paraphrase it all down to one sentence, a forced retirement. Forced. He kept saying, you're, you're asking the wrong guy. That's the university. And he was just very evasive. It sounds like he was told you're retiring. And I don't think they meant to do it like in the post game, but like after that, two hours later, they announced his assistant is taking over. So it didn't sound like they had a planned exit, but that he, he was aware that he was it. being forced out. I mean, on one hand, I mean, he's one of the all-time curmudgeons. He's up there with Bill Belichick and, and Bill Parcells and, mm -hmm. I mean, the ones we can think of that are kind of sh short and terse and sort of. So so in a way, that was like the most fitting announcement ever for Jim Beheim. Kind of passive-aggressive. Yeah, you missed it. I told you already. I already <laughs> but, said it. Like, what? Wait, what you, you say? You should have known. <laughs> but on the other hand, he is on the Rush, Mount Rushmore of college coaches. He's as, he's as big a deal. I mean, he's in the conversation with Krzyzewski and Dean Smith and Roy Williams. And so to see it happen that way yesterday, even though I, the guy does not seem like he'd be a very nice guy, never has, you know, you got to give him his due. It's kind of sad that it happened that the way. The second most wins all time to Coach K with the fact that they uh, took 100 wins away for uh, violations with the NCAA. And he wow. still he would still be second anyway yeah. uh, to Coach K, but uh, that's that's how good he is wow. wins wise and, uh, and length of service wise. So that happened yesterday. Um, Big day yesterday. Where are you going this weekend? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know when I decide. News Talk 1110 WBT. I'm uh, I'm starting off segments with Beth Troutman. More this is becoming more of a thing here. You got a text. You got to read that text. It's actually a tweet. You got that tweet. You got yes, to read that tweet. Well, it's a tweet that my uh, my best friend Julie sent that just speaks to my soul. Now, she did not tweet this, but she saw this tweet and then sent it my way, and I love it. It's a secondhand tweet. It is a secondhand tweet, and it's fantastic. The tweet is from a woman named Elizabeth Hackett. Not even a blue check mark, just some random lady out there tweeting out into the world. Here's the tweet. I'm quiet, and I hate confrontation with neighbors. So, 
I renamed our Wi-Fi. Here's the name of the Wi-Fi. Maybe calm down with the leaf blowing, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that is the passive-aggressive move of all time that I've ever heard. That's my favorite tweet of all time. That's brilliant. (laughs) It's so great. It's so great. I love that she's not confrontational, but we read it on the air now, and Greg's going, oh. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) But but I, I... that is, I mean, the height of passive aggressiveness because you don't, the guy doesn't want to talk to his neighbor. Maybe he's never talked to his neighbor, but right. has things about his neighbor that uh, are, are annoying. Him and then you sit down and you see the drop down menu of, and you, we all do this. You sit down if you have Wi Fi and in your neighborhood, you can, so you can see five or six different addresses that aren't yours. Right. And in some cases, you know exactly who it is. In right. some cases, you don't. <laughs> but if you do know who it is, instead of talking and even texting, Passive aggressive Wi-Fi handles. I'm just gonna read it again. Maybe calm down with the leaf blowing, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> this speaks to my soul in so many ways because that would be such a brilliant way to, <laughs> in my opinion, get the Greg to calm down with the leaf blowing. But I hate leaf blowers. I hate the noise of leaf blowers. I hate the noise of lawn equipment. Uh, I absolutely. You would hate my neighborhood. I just. How do you get stuff done? I despise it. Leaves aren't going to rake themselves. I mean, well, you know, Craig goes out and does the. He he uses the leaf blower. What does he have to pick them up by hand individually? (laughs) (laughs) He has one of those garbage picker uppers. Yeah, those little like those little squeezy things. Surely, surely, Craig owns a leaf blower. Oh yeah, he absolutely does. Now wait, what? Which kind is it? It's one of the battery powered kinds. Uh, That and he has a battery powered uh, lawnmower as well. Get him now. Get him the gas powered one. Make some noise. Yeah, the gas powered. (laughs) Yeah, you got to go with the gas powered. I absolutely despise that noise when the when the landscapers you know that do the the HOA landscapers mm-hmm. that come in and do the common spaces and they're out there and just it just but do you you also <gasps> have a aversion to fans fans i absolutely hate the noise of fans i hate bathroom fans i hate the sound of fans the sound of fans in a room the sound of the little electric rotating oscillating fans i do not like fan sounds so if i were to <laughs> oh, why <laughs> sorry that sounds like a like a giant barge passing by. Yeah, that does. That sounds like a ship. Like a ship is somewhere. Or, or a spaceship landing. But, like, so I the, know what that sounds like. The passive. Well, the spaceship is landing. We all know that sound. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just me? It's not, yeah, it's not an effect, you know, Jimbo. Just me? George Nori. No yeah. one else sees the aliens? No, I do. I do. <laughs> we all know it because we all have great... Sense of smell. Now, see, if I were going to be <laughs> passive aggressive right now with you guys, I would put, I would name my Wi-Fi like, "What are you doing, guys?" No, I don't. Know. <laughs> Boy, that was really so, good. So, side note, we have the most complicated Wi-Fi because <laughs> it's what AT and T gave us, and it's all these percentage marks and random like letters and numbers and exclamation marks. So when people, are, what's your Wi-Fi? I have to pull up the screenshot I did of it off of the uh, AT and T router. You can rename I it. I know, but like six and a half years, I keep saying I need to rename it, and it's like twelve digits symbols and all that. And we, we did the same thing. We have the same thing. We wanted to make it difficult in case somebody were trying to guess. To oh, hack it. What's our Wi-Fi? We're gonna mess with it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm just too lazy to change it. It's just incredibly yeah. complicated. Well. I like I like the idea about. Like, Chill out, Craig, or whatever. But, no, Greg, Greg, I mean, come on. Maybe calm down with the leaf blowing, Greg. That's fantastic. I think, I'm thinking about, there are, 
we had um, a, a neighbor that was like two houses down that just really never took care of their lawn. You know, it just they just didn't take care of their lawn much. And it just used to drive me insane. So I, I really feel like and now it's better now. But I, I feel like my passive aggressive Wi-Fi would have been like, could you pick the weeds, Wanda? <laughs> I wonder, like, <laughs> Could you pick wonder up which, which of your neighbors is at home listening right now going, huh. Is it my yard? I feel uh-huh. like I've been seen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and on another note, the other day, I, I, I like leaf blowers. I have one, and I, I You love like it. the sound? Yeah, I actually yeah. do. Power tools, all that stuff's great. Y'all I are like, such dudes. But the other day, I pulled chainsaw. up in the driveway. I had a chainsaw? I had, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do the Cross in the Stream mm-hmm. segment, but I, w- I was in the car. And so I pulled up in, in my driveway, and, and next door... I, they had they were blowing the yard and it's they Greg. came right up. No, Greg was, was blowing Greg. the leaves. I, I, I got to find the tape because I forgot to go back and listen because I was with Winterbull and I'm like I finally actually had to stop and go. Sorry, uh, they're, they're blowing the leaves here. The mower's here and the leaf blower and oh, it's fine, man, no problem. You should have just said sorry. I'm uh, calling you while I'm doing my yard work. I'm a manly man. <laughs> Before you, you know, head out on your cute little boy's trip next. My week. yard man is edging right now. <laughs> yes, my <laughs> people are doing that. We're chainsawing. <laughs> Wait, he said, he said the new sound of Good Morning BT. You mean this sound of Good Morning BT? Oh. Ah, that's so satisfying. Oh. Oh, yeah. That, that right there is progress. That is getting, that's getting her done. I do have, and I think everyone should abide Mm. by at least, at least Mm. a 930 rule. Like, I even think nine's too early for those who sleep late. Oh. I hate the ones that are out there at 7.45. <laughs> yeah, blowing their leaves at 6 a.m. No, now, not see, cool. Now you brought me back around. Like, I'm, I, like Beth doesn't like the sound of this. I, I love the sound of this. I do not love the sound of this at 6 in the morning. Nobody uh, should be doing that. I don't Mm-mm. like the sound of it any time, but especially at 6 o'clock in the morning. I think even 8 is too early. I think it should be after 9. I, I'm getting anxiety right now just listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair is actually flapping. It's weird. <laughs> It's just the new bangs. <laughs> now, we bring this up because Beth mentioned earlier this hour that uh, one of her neighbors, not one of your neighbors, but one of your friends tweeted about one of their neighbors who had an issue with somebody in the neighborhood. But instead of confrontation, I guess this is a form of confrontation. This is the most passive aggressive thing I've ever heard in my life. The world's greatest tweet. Here's the tweet. I'm quiet and I hate confrontation with neighbors. So I renamed our Wi-Fi. Maybe calm down with the leaf blowing, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. Greg wants to chime in. Actually, actually, David wants to chime in. 704-570-1110. David uh, wants to join hey, the leaf blower conversation. Hi, how are you? Hey, David. Pretty good. So, Beth, you would not like my neighborhood. Oh, no. So, <clears throat> we, have, we have a neighbor, a couple of houses down the street. We'll call him Johnny. Okay. <laughs> and Johnny cranks up his uh, leaf blower at about 9 o'clock every evening. Oh. What? 9 p.m.? Yeah, my, my teenager, uh, we still have one child at home. My teenager refers to him as the vampire. <laughs> wow. Every I mean, day? I mean, come on. You never see or hear from the guy during the day, but at night, he's everywhere. Nobody and, uh, should be blowing the yard after dark. That's just that's just dumb. Oh, and listen, it's not just a leaf blower. It's one of these big industrial backpack kind. It makes him look like one of the guys from uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, and he's out there blowing his yard in the dark. 
I have never heard of that. Every day? Wait a minute. Hold on. I want to compare your sound effect because this is the real thing right here, John Mark. All right. Turn that down. David, uh, do that for us again. Wow. Pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, I have I have lots of experience. Remember, I hear it every night. So what a bizarre! I would your neighbor Johnny would be on my my list of I'd probably have to rename my Wi-Fi to cool it down with the leaf blowing Johnny because I'm in bed at 9 p.m. I want to sleep, not hear your leaf blower. And every night he's out there in the yard going, "Here's Johnny." Here's Johnny. Wow. And I heard you mention fans, so yes. it's funny because uh, my wife, when we travel, she takes a fan. She takes one of those little small oscillating fans. And we went to go buy one, and, um, you know, in the back corner of Walmart where, like, nobody goes to shop. They've got a few fans. <laughs> and so she goes back there, and she's trying a few, and she's like, this one's too quiet. Wow. That one's too quiet. Excuse me, do you have one that's louder? I need a louder fan. And this <laughs> Sales lady kind of looked at her like, what? We are team fan tunes to the point that Sandra has a phone app that is just different fan noises that would you would hate. Oh, my god! It's just different types of fans. Oh, that's an idea. It's an app. You just do it. And she actually uh, contacted the company because it had ads that would pop up and cut the fan off during the night, which would ruin it because it would stop. And she actually contacted them and said, oh, we'll stop doing it in that way. <gasps> so she actually made progress in the fan app. Not cutting off because of the ads that were popping up. Am I the only person who doesn't like the sound of fans? There, I can't be the only one who just it just grates on my well, nerves. No, you're not I the mean, only for, one. For a lot of people, the sound of the fan it's not even the feeling of the fan; it's the sound of the fan. We just lost David, who's a big fan of fans. Uh, but it's this—it's like the white noise thing, or you know, the, the little—you can have uh, yeah, I hate the, it. the radios that will do like ocean sounds or mm-hmm. nature yeah, I hate sounds, those too. fan sounds. <laughs> I don't like, I mean, we have a, there's a, a, a little pond kind of back in the, there's a nature area behind our house and f- frogs ribbit in that thing all, <laughs> all night long. So it's kind of like I have a noise machine because it's just Does a it constant. bother you though or do you like it? Um, I mean, because it's real and it's the frogs just ribbiting and some like bugs just going, rah, rah, rah. it's fine. I, I can, I can, I can make it through that, but it's, I think it's the mechanical sound of just motors, just the, the motor of the fan, the motor of the, the bathroom fan, the motor of the, the leaf blower, the motor of the, of the, 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 the lawnmower mm-hmm. just all of that noise it, it's like a dentist drill to me is the way that it sounds wow. it's just it it makes me feel claustrophobic or it makes me feel like i want to shave my head <laughs> that's a severe reaction that, that'll take wow. care of the bangs thing yeah, what, shaving your head will solve the issue you know like you, you maybe know, earmuffs would but if you think shaving. of just somebody going crazy you think of them shaving their head like if, if the fan went on long enough i'd probably shave my head because i'd go completely crazy Completely crazy. If I had to create my own hell, I would be in constant party planner mode with the sounds of fans all around me. If I, if it's one of the silent moments we're having. <laughs> yeah. We just go, I don't know what to say. Crossing the Streams brought to you by Window Nation. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, and Brett Winterble. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to uh, Beth and Bo and the whole crew. It's good to be with you. 
Same here, same here. I was, uh, I really enjoyed talking uh, to you and, and the coach yesterday because uh, there we were talking about the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. and, and we've, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier here with, with our crew about uh, that, that story about wheeling in the, the TVs in grade school and watching the ACC tournament. And then apparently, I didn't realize it, but, but West Durham on the ACC network on TV, they actually did a little feature on that as their intro yesterday. And there we were talking to Matt Doherty, who was – in that, you know, he was on the court with that right. stuff, and, and right. he's with you on Wednesdays. It's always uh, must-listen radio. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. We, he 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 goes to these places that are incredible at, at times, uh, and, and I had that I had a very similar experience to what you guys had uh, with with watching it on TV and seeing it. But obviously, I grew up out in El Paso, so we'd be looking at UTEP, Don Haskins, uh, you know, Glory Road, all those guys um, uh, that that were out there in the whack. And uh, I, I, it was always such a fun time to watch all this stuff uh, at the tournament time. It's funny. I, I did not have the same experience that the rest of these fellas and you. I just didn't have that experience. I don't know mm. what my teachers were doing. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, you probably got like space shuttle launches, right? They probably brought that in. I yeah. did get space yeah. shuttle launch. Uh, uh-huh. same presidential same presidential uh, inaugurations, you know, stuff like you watch the big, the big important events, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember any presidential inaugurations either, which so is bizarre. So what do you remember? I remember the Challenger. But I mean, like, when oh, they, yeah. is that the only thing you like when they wheeled the TV in? Did y'all ever watch TV for stuff? No, we only watched. Really? We only watched movies, like movies based on books we were watching. Like, I, I remember watching the black and white version of Wuthering Heights. And yes. I remember watching the original Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, I remember mm-hmm. the one. Is that the one with Robert Redford? Yeah, the it? one with Robert Redford. So, so I remember that. And then remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about watching uh, the uh, the Romeo and Juliet. The original Romeo and Juliet. That had that scene that now all these years later, they're they're. Yeah. Yes. Pressing charges about right. or trying to. And Look at this. And everybody in the room was like, wait a minute, are we supposed to see that? That's you know, see, I, I remember, I'm sure John Moore remembers uh, this as well. Uh, uh, film strips. Beep. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, beep. where they loaded the projector in the back. Oh, my <laughs> God. Or you'd have, to, or you'd have to actually hear the beep and then they would turn okay. the slide. Okay. Okay. I got to turn the slide. So Did you nerd. really? Yeah, I was a nerd. So when I was in elementary school, they had uh, these, like once a year, they had these things that they did uh, where you got to go to special classes. Uh, special activities like uh, and, and and they were called mini courses like detention. No, I know. No, no. I was about to, that's what I was saying. These were for detention. good reasons. <laughs> oh, good reasons. These are for good reasons. We but you had see that what, too. So one of the classes was make your own film strip. <gasps> oh my gosh, we okay. did this and you did it with markers. Wow. But wait a minute. But how did you? So I'm wondering about the process here. So you had the markers, the the special markers. I still have mine. I have mine too. Oh my gosh. But the process was is that you would be given a film strip that was out of circulation they weren't going to use anymore and you had to go and then soak it in a bucket of bleach to bleach all of the film off the film strip and then then it was cleared and then you could take your markers (laughs) and and draw but the best part of it all all we all made our film strips and then we had to make the soundtracks to the film strips (laughs) and if i can find this somewhere everybody did like this is a film strip about dinosaurs and then you had to do the beep yourself so it'd be like this is a film about dinosaurs Beep. And then you, this is the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Beep. Wow. (laughs) I can't believe I'm talking about this on the radio. You guys, you guys were cutting edge. I did that. We didn't have to do a soundtrack for hours, but I still have mine. And mine was an actual shuttle launch and moon landing. And I drew 
I drew the spaceship taking off and landing on the moon and like a little guy getting out in his little helmet walking around. Uh-huh. So did you do like a live soundtrack yeah. to it? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. did you do the beep? No, because mine was reel to reel, so it just it just kept going. Yeah. It, so I, it was just kind of like what NASA or takeoff, ten, nine, you know, and you just acted it out in the back of the mm-hmm. room. <laughs> of all the things that kids today it would just, oh my the, gosh. it would blow their mind the, the technology <laughs> of, of stuff like film strips and yeah. then uh, don't get yeah. me started on overhead projectors oh i love because them. i had I loved them my math teacher uh, at ag junior high school in eighth grade her name was ms coble mm-hmm. and she used to use the overhead projector for everything didn't like the yeah. chalkboard although we had a chalkboard yeah, she never he- used it but she was famous because she would do all these uh. lessons on the overhead projector and then the ink would get all oh, over yeah. her hands yeah. and her arms miss Barbies did the same thing. Yeah. Wow, that's 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 unbelievable. I we, we didn't. I did have the overhead projector experience, but usually at that point, people were handing out uh, Mad Libs books with filthy words in them. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean that was that, that's what would typically happen back uh, back with the overhead projector. Wow. Bo and I were both such little nerds. We were like we we're paying attention to everything and making our own film strips in the back of the room. <laughs> 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 so it's technology. You used what you had. Exactly. Yeah, of course. We did what we could. Now, now, if you brought chemicals into a classroom now and you were like, you hey, bleach, fired. bleach, they'd yeah. be like, yeah, bleach, it works. There you go. People are using drugs. Yeah, Bo's over in the corner with a bucket of bleach, <laughs> bleach. And, and like, uh, it looks like an undeveloped film. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm making a film strip, sir. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're, doing your, you're doing your ends on your hair there, buddy. That's what oh, you're doing. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I can honestly say I did not expect to be talking about making film strips today with Brett Winterville, but such is life on this show sometimes. That's correct. It's the beauty of this radio station many times. Uh, So let me work it back around to uh, some business here. What's coming up on the Brett Winterville show today? Yeah, so today we're going to take a deeper dive into some AI stuff. Uh, We'll look at uh, cartel uh, drama day four or five, whatever that is. And uh, everything else that's going to be moving between now and then. Dan Crenshaw actually wrote a great uh, opinion piece about the Mexican cartels in uh, USA Today. The title, Mexican Drug Cartels Are Terrorizing Americans, and Here's How the U.S. Needs to Fight Back. It's Let's a good, see. It's a good yep. read. Yep, it is. And, and I was going to bring this up, and I'll hold this for, for further elaboration, but I'll just give you the bullet point here. Axios has a new story out this week about possible President Trump uh, running mates. And uh, they're the ones you would expect on here, like, uh, like I don't know, a, a Nikki Haley. But here's a name to possibly watch. Carrie Lake. Hmm? I'd rather go water skiing in Carrie Lake than uh, than oh. having her as a vice president. Yeah, yeah. I, you know I, what I'm saying. I, I, I figured that would be the response. And like I said, we'll talk about this further. This could be great. Because uh, we had to leave room for film strips that we made ourselves. Yeah. Beep. And buckets of bleach. <laughs> All right. Beep. <laughs> yeah. Beep. That's our cue to move on. Brett Winterbull this afternoon, 3 to 6 here on News Talk 1110 WBT. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Uh, When we come back, 8 o'clock hour, uh, I want to bring up a story. This has a, a, actually, you and I read the same story, and it's about uh, some schools dropping the SAT and the ACT. Mm. Now, I know a lot of parents right now have kids that are in the process, maybe one of these weekends, maybe it was last weekend, taking the ACT. SAT and ACT, the college prep, still a big deal, because you and I talk about making film strips back in the day. So that that's that technology's gone by the wayside, but they're still taking the ACT and the SAT. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I hated that test. There's a school... 
and this is not the only one, but this is the latest one, that has decided to drop the SAT and the ACT from their... Uh, College admissions. Admissions process. Yeah. They're not going to look at those anymore. They don't care anymore. Why is that? And then, like I said, I'll get to the, the point of this whole discussion. There's a phrase in here I'd never heard before, but it makes a whole lot of sense. I'll see if you agree. Almost 8 o'clock. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Well, as long as I can remember, and I know you can remember because we're the same age, thereabouts, the measure of what you know in a classroom as it relates to a college or a university has centered around two tests, mm-hmm. right? The SAT and the ACT. Yeah, you had to take one or the other, or some people took both to see which one they did the best on, and then they submitted those scores. There's, a, there's an article this week in The Atlantic called We're Missing a Key Driver of Teen Anxiety, a culture of obsessive student achievements or achievement and long schoolwork hours can make kids depressed. Uh, I have uh, I have a high school age kid. I have a freshman in college. My two kids, they are uh, they are in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. One of them just went through it to get into a school and the other one is, uh, you know, he, he's getting set for his senior year coming up. So he's getting set to get real serious about where he's going to go next. And uh, ACT, SAT, I I took, I actually only took the SAT. I took it multiple times. Did you take both tests? I took both tests. I took both once. Uh, This article says uh, the SAT has faced heavy scrutiny for privileging rich families, which can pay for test prep classes for their kids. Some believe that dropping the test is an ethical move toward equality in selective college admissions. Columbia University becomes this week the latest school to announce that it will no longer require SAT or ACT scores for undergraduate admissions. The school's decision was rooted in the belief, they say, that students are dynamic, multifaceted individuals who cannot be defined by any single factor. I like that idea. The only reason is because I was a terrible um, test taker, and it turns out, and I didn't find out until college, that I am high-functioning. I'm a high-functioning dyslexic, and I didn't know this. And so on, like, the reading comprehension parts of the SAT, I was doing okay. I mean, I could answer all the questions. I just couldn't do it in the amount of time that it required, and so therefore my score was lower than maybe it would have been if I'd had more time to finish. And if I had known that I was dyslexic at the time, they probably would have given me more time. But it didn't, the the test didn't assess my ability. It was literally just that I read more slowly than most people because of whatever was going on in my brain. But here's what stuck out in the article to me, this Atlantic article, article that you were mentioning. Now, before you go any further... I'm really curious to see if the same thing is what we both landed on here. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase that ever since I read it, I can't forget it. Oh, it's probably not the same thing then, because it was this paragraph. My concern is that this elite college policy carried out in the name of equity might billow the embers 
of a teen anxiety firestorm. After all, when a college makes one test the core of your application, you'll cram for that test. When the same school says your assessment is based on an infinitude of talents, it's a tacit suggestion that ambitious students spend 100 hours a week cultivating as many resume stuffers as possible. That's not the paragraph that I landed on, but it is representative of the sentiment that I, that this whole article really is focusing on, which is, uh, at least in my view, are you going to take two tests that sort of, in other, in other words, the two tests are what you force the kids to get good at, taking those particular tests. Right, and they cram for them. Or are you going to allow for concentration in other areas. Now, that can be the grades themselves and the classes, but I think to your point, uh, extracurricular stuff. Right. How many things can you put on that resume? Yeah, how many things can you add? And I feel there is where the anxiety starts, because if you start thinking as a freshman in high school, I have to join the Odyssey of the Minds, I have to join the Latin Club, I have to join the Spanish Club, I have to join band, I have to be a basketball player, I have to be a cheerleader. And you are, are wearing kids out from all of the things they're trying to do, not necessarily because they enjoy them, but because they feel like they're not going to get in college if they don't do them. Good thing or bad thing? 704-570-1110. A college that says we're not going to accept ACT or SAT scores anymore. In other words, uh, we're not going to base our admissions process on how your kid does on those things. I remember I took SAT prep classes. I did too. And I remember thinking when I was taking the SAT prep class, because I remember very specifically one of the things they told you was uh, they, they had the percentages of how often the answer all of the above was a correct answer. Yeah. And I remember them talking, uh, I, I believe this, I don't know what the numbers were, but in other words, they said when all of the above is an answer, it's likely to be the right answer. I remember her telling me that. And I remember thinking, am I learning how to take a specific test and be good at taking that specific test, or am I learning stuff? Yeah, you were just learning how to take the test. Yeah, and so I, I, that example may have been uh, one that's sort of antiquated now, but the idea of these tests. So you develop these kids that are good at taking those particular tests, but when the test is over and you get to school, what does that, does, right. what does that really prepare you for? Do you have any foundational knowledge there? Well, For some people, too, multiple-choice tests don't necessarily work in the way that their minds work, and it's mm-hmm. not a great indicator of how that person thinks. I know when I took the GRE, there were multiple-choice sections of the GRE, and then there was a, a, a long-form writing section of the GRE. And I got a perfect score on the long-form writing section, but the multiple-choice, my brain doesn't work in that same way. What, what they taught me in SAT prep, I t- would find what I thought was close to the right answer and then plug that into a formula, especially in the math problems, and see if it worked. So here's the part of the, that stuck with me. I want to read it to you here. It says... Um, Adolescents go through a kind of happiness slingshot. That phrase, happiness slingshot, in which stress early on springs them toward greater wealth and well-being later in life. So basically here, uh, you're going through a, a higher learning intensity process that tends to increase a student's academic achievement, um, but reduce leisure time, sleep, and subjective well-being. But the phrase, happiness slingshot, and this, is, this can be something that you uh, attribute to other parts of your life. 
it, it just so happens that most of us are going through that same thing in the high school years, preparing for college, but a happiness slingshot. Basically, another way of saying delayed gratification. Like you're working really hard now and you're going to be happy later. But if you think about life in those terms and if you're taught to think about life only in those terms, are you ever going to be happy? Are you just going to be taught that happiness comes later? And when does later finally get here if you're constantly looking for later? And then maybe you get there later and say, wow, this is really good uh, if I'd only uh, aimed the slingshot in a different direction. Right. Mm -hmm. See where I'm going here? Happiness slingshot. 704-570-1110. And the ACT and the SAT. Columbia University says we're doing away with that as a prerequisite. Hmm. Do you like that idea? Maybe you have kids right now that are going through this. Welcome back, Bo and Beth. Rolling here on a Thursday Columbia University announcing it is no longer going to use the ACT and the SAT as things that they require for entrance evaluation. Yeah. I mean, the thing that has been around decades, now they're saying, nope, it's not a great assessment. It's not a, It's not an accurate assessment of the 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 strengths and weaknesses of potential students. So it really comes down to uh, straight up grades, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure degree of difficulty classes that you take and extracurricular activities. Which now, according to this Atlantic article, is saying is actually creating more anxiety for young people because they're having to spend all of their time, all of their effort on developing all of these different extracurricular activities instead of spending a little bit of time cramming for one test. I bet your list of extra extracurriculars was a mile long. Oh, I was the biggest dork. Like, like what are some that you had? Uh, let's see. I was, I was the conductor of Honors Chorus. I was in the small ensemble. I played the bassoon in the concert band, and I was a flag girl. I was a cheerleader. I was in uh, Odyssey of the Minds. Um, I was on the, on the uh, what was like, we had like the science quiz that was like Olympiad was that what it was science Olympiad I don't say that because I know it I just know of it my friend trust me I was not in it (laughs) my friend Andrew and I were were voted to put it on put be put on that and we we spent most of our time uh not studying the way we should Uh, I was on student council were you a mathlete I was a mathlete yeah you really were we had a little mathlete we had a little mathlete club um uh, yeah, I, I liked to do debate. I liked uh, to do um, public speech. I, I, I loved public speaking as a young person, so I would do all of the oratory competitions, mm-hmm. like the the, the Optimus Club. Optimus Club. I, yes. entered it, I entered it every year and lost to Ben. I'm not going to say his last name every year. Oh, you lost to Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I ever. I wonder if I ever competed against Ben because we had our little local one, and I won that one. And then I went to whatever the next level was, and we had to do an extemporaneous. We had to do a, a prepared speech and then a, an extemporaneous speech where you pulled a, a topic out of a fishbowl. Oh, wow. And then had to speak for 10 minutes on it. See, I remember I never made it out of the local round, so I was about to say, maybe you and I would have seen each other, but no, I never made it to. But <laughs> I, so I met Ben, probably. You, oh, I guarantee you met I don't, Ben. I just listed off all of these dorky things that I did as a kid. What you, did you do? You did exactly what I wanted to do. Well, you were an Eagle Scout. You mm-hmm. you did all of the, you I was, all the extracurriculars. I was in student, student government, too. Yeah. Um, but look, the reason we're bringing this up is because... The ACT and the SAT, those being gone, they're really hyper-focusing on these extracurriculars. Yeah. So Doug's with us. We just had a math teacher call in, too. I hope he calls back because I was about to go to him. But, uh, Doug, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. You think the SAT and the ACT is needed or are needed? Yes, good morning. Uh, 
first-time caller, and happy to uh, have a chance to talk with you folks. Oh. Enjoy your show so much. Thank, Thank you. you, Doug. Uh, I think they're definitely needed. Um, it, the main reason I would say is a standardized test, you know, takes away all the differences you have throughout the country on how school districts teach, how teachers grade. I mean, you, you can't compare grades in some schools to other schools. I mean, it's a standard, that's the whole purpose of a standardized test. And I don't believe that the standardized test should be the sole determining factor. But the second point I want to make is maybe they're, maybe they're um, telling us something here that they're admitting something that they always claimed wasn't true, and that is they've always looked for a well-rounded student. They always said that the test was just one of the factors that they would consider in admissions. Now, all of a sudden, it sounds to me like what they did is they took the best test scores and then looked at their overall rounding of the student and what they did in their extracurriculars. I mean, it's sort of like they're telling on themselves how they've gone through the selection process all these years when they told us that the test was only one minor factor. Now they're saying it's the major factor, so oh. we need to get rid of it. I see what you're saying, that they're admitting to having only looked at the students who had a specific score or above and then ignored all of the other uh, students who maybe had some great extracurriculars but didn't quite make the grade on the uh, standardized test. Hey, Doug, do you have kids? Yes, I went through the I went through this during the height of COVID hmm. with my daughter getting taking the ACT and the, and the, and the SATs. And, and we had to go to different states even to take them. Yeah. Did you ever have any of your kids take the prep classes? Like you get one score and you want to try to improve it, so you, you take the SAT or the ACT, you know, courses that you can pay extra for? Uh, we didn't pay extra for anything. Her, her high school did have prep classes as part of their you know, if you wanted to take the prep class, but we never went outside and paid for anything. And um, my daughter was a very uh, bright student, so she did well, but that's beside the point. You know, the issue is, I just think, just from my own experience, you, you, we all had them. We had those teachers that handed out grades very easily, and we had those teachers that it was really hard to get a good grade, you know, and that happens all over the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or the teacher just didn't like you, so if they had a subjective grade, like a paper that you did, they'd be like, oh, no, that's a C, just because they didn't like you as a student, yeah. not necessarily because you got a C. Yeah. Doug, thanks for yeah. calling, man. Thank, we appreciate it. Hope the, uh, the maiden voyage there was an enjoyable one. I love Doug. I'm oh. so glad he felt excited to call for the first time. Yeah, we love first-time callers. We love 18-time callers. Yeah, we just love callers. Bo and Beth here on WBT. Thanks for being there. And many of you are on the lines at 704-570-1110. We told you that Columbia University is ditching the ACT and the SAT as prerequisites and uh, measurements for admission for their college admissions yeah now concentrating on extracurricular stuff and of course uh, your courses in regular old school yeah your gpa good old uh, gpa imagine that gpa all right uh, a lot of you want to talk about this let's go to bethany who's a former teacher in high school as i understand it bethany good morning to you good morning hi Hi, yes. I was just so interested. Just got out of the gym and heard the conversation. I was like, I have to call in. So I am a former um, EC teacher in uh, Union County High School. And so I would work with kids that, you know, already kind of had a hard time with tests in school in general. And so preparing for the SAT, ACT, when they would have to sit in the class where it was free, you know, for them to learn it, 
and take like, you know, um, the practice test. Most of them wouldn't even come because they're just like, you know, it's kind of above me. But a lot of them were just involved in extracurricular activities like band and sports and things. So I honestly think it's a good thing. I think that if there was like a, a different type of a standardized test that kind of created a well-rounded person gearing up for, you know, adult world, that would be even better. <laughs> You know, I always wondered about the the efficacy of the of the SAT engaging intelligence because it really was just math and language. You know, it was math and those vocabularies, you know, where they would say like mountain is to cheese as, yes. you know, <laughs> <laughs> which which is a skill that you have to get good at right. that, that is yeah. uh, proprietary to that test. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, I took I didn't take the ACT. I took the SAT like four times. And I took <laughs> prep courses as well. And I felt like I'm in the prep courses were how to get good at taking the SAT, not to, not yes. to show me what you know. Right. Correct. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like it is a, more of a life skill that they would teach you trying to prep for the test is how to eliminate certain answers based off the vocabulary that were in the questions and answers. So it was kind of deceiving, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, pre- I really appreciate the topic. I thought it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for kids to know that there's more to them than a test and a number. Oh, Bethany, I love you. Oh, I love you too, Beth. <laughs> Bethany, I love you too. <laughs> This is great. We should just end the show right now. This is a love fest. (laughs) All right. Bethany, uh, take care. Call anytime, please. Uh, Cindy, you're on News Talk. Look at the ladies' hour here. I love this. It's it's Women's Month. It's exactly. It's International Women's Day yesterday, and it's Women's History Month. So, all the more reason to say good morning, Cindy. How are you? Great. How are you guys? We're wonderful. Well, good. Um, well, I have two kids. One has graduated from college. The other one's a senior in college. And I just remember back in those days when they were um, trying to figure out what they were going to do, um, you know, the SAT and ACT tests were so stressful. And I do not believe that you can determine if a, if a kid is going to be a good college student or not by one test. Mm-hmm. And... You know, as far as extracurricular activities, my kids were engaged in sports and and some other things, but they did that because they were interested in it. Yeah. They didn't do that because they were trying to build their college resume. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other point is kids who go to school and get out of school and sit around and do nothing, and not saying that there are kids that do that, they, they end up getting in trouble. So I think extracurricular activities are a great thing for all kids to do. Now, let me uh, – so two things. First of all, I, I agree that, that, that there shouldn't be uh, – that there's probably too much emphasis on these, on these two tests mm-hmm. because all mm-hmm. these years later, what do I remember about the SAT? I don't remember – uh, questions on the SAT. I remember tactics on how to answer questions yep. on the SAT. Yep. But by the same token, I do think that there you can go too far overcompensating in the other direction. And 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 you look at somebody's resume, and uh, you know this summer I spent in uh, in Fiji helping such and such, and then the next summer I went to Alaska. I think sometimes you can tell when a resume is padded for the sake of padding it, versus these are extracurricular things that I really passionately do because that's what I am attracted to. Like your kids, you were saying they did their activities because Cindy, they loved what they were doing. Right. Exactly. And honestly. If colleges, you know, colleges have always put so much emphasis on these tests, 
And, um, you know, if it's a, if it's if you're trying to get into college where it's really demanding and they've got a ton and there's a ton of competition, they're going to weed out all the kids that didn't score high on that test. It's mm-hmm. a good point. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's not really fair. And you might be getting rid of somebody who was going to be a spectacular student and a really great leader later on. Exactly, and if, especially big universities. They're going to they've got so many applications that they're going to say, okay, well, if you didn't score this, we're not even going to look at your credentials. Well, and and you hear people say uh, all the time, uh, oh, such and such is a bad test taker or a good test taker. Uh, And and then you take it a step further. They're bad. They're bad at taking that test. Right. That's what you don't want. I wasn't a great multiple choice test taker, but if you gave me an open ended test, I was great at it. I was really good at open book tests. <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much for calling. This is a perfect example of sometimes you got to let a topic percolate. Like a good cup of coffee. That I know nothing about, but I assume is true. <laughs> you got to let it percolate. And uh, when we brought this up, Columbia University is doing away with the ACT and the SAT as... Things that they use to measure student versus student. They're not going to use it as part of their admission process anymore. Right. And we had two great callers, Cindy and Bethany, last segment who were both saying, you know, this is a good thing because those tests don't accurately assess what students are capable of. Oh, look at this. Uh, Heidi is a private test prep coach. Oh, Heidi, did you teach me and Bo? <laughs> well, I, I I would have liked to. Oh, <laughs> I was waiting for her to say, uh, obviously not. I, I could have helped. <laughs> What's going on, Heidi? Well, I just wanted to uh, offer a different point of view. I was a little bit late to the last segment, but I just uh, wanted to share that I've, I've worked with probably close to two thousand students in my career, and I just wanted people to realize that. The tests do actually test some valid skills. And, and of course, you know, it breaks my heart if I work with somebody who I know has lots of gifts to bring to the world and, and you know, they're just not able to demonstrate that in a test. And, of course, you know, that's a situation that's valid. But at the same time, you know, being able to communicate well, being able to read and analyze, mm-hmm. um, being able to be methodical, those are all skills that are really important. And unfortunately, and I've also been a teacher in my career as well, I think there's a lot of variance from school to school. So colleges don't have always an effective way just by looking at GPA of knowing, you know, how what can the student actually do? Heidi, um, I, I said last segment, you may not have heard me say this, but I said last segment that I, I took some of the class. I took a prep course for the SAT back when I was in high school. Uh, and, and to this day, all these years later, I don't remember questions on the test. I remember strategies I was taught on how to answer questions on the test, which is to say that, uh, you know, the knock against uh, this kind of thing sometimes, uh, and I especially want to get your opinion on this, given that you do it, but I'm sure you've probably heard people along the way say you're teaching a kid how to take a certain test and not testing them on necessarily things that uh, that, that, that should, they should know uh, in general. Right. It's it's uh, These tests are not I mean, there, there is some knowledge pieces. Of course, you know, if you're going to be doing some math, you have to understand things like how many degrees are in a triangle and so forth. Sure. But there, certainly there is strategy involved. And, of course, 
you know, the things that you would remember about the test are not going to be the content because whatever passage you read, you won't even remember the next day. But the skills that come to bear on the test are what are the valid measure. Are they imperfect? Of course. I just don't think we have, I think it gives schools a a fuller picture. And um, what I always tell people is if you think in terms of a quadrant, and and this is very imperfect, good test taker, poor test taker, smart student, not smart student. Okay. And of course, I, I have a son with special needs who I don't ever plan to have to take these tests because it wouldn't show anybody anything good about him. Um, but if we think of that quadrant, there's the people that test well um, and are bright that, that the schools want. So that's a proxy for, hey, we want people who have that intelligence. Is there, are, is there that group that doesn't test well, who is also smart, that gets left behind. Absolutely. And and I'm all for other ways to bring in those different shades of, of experience about those students. But what I don't see is I don't ever see people who are, who do um, well in the test who are actually not bright. I mean, uh, you have hmm. to be, they are well done. I mean, there's like, they're imperfect, yes, but they're well done in that people that do well on them do have the skills that colleges are looking for. That's a good point. Really quickly, is there one that measures better in the SAT versus the ACT? I feel like I remember the ACT having more subjects that it covered. Um, the, the ACT does include a science section okay. specifically, which the SAT does not, but the SAT does sort of um, weave in um, the importance of reading tables and graphs and being able to do that analysis in their mm. other sections. Word problems. So I always recommend that students take both and see which one they do better on. Yeah, that's what I did. Heidi, thank you for thank calling. Thank you, Heidi. We yes. appreciate it. Now this, I'm glad this happened because I was just about to go to him and then he dropped off last hour or last segment. Lane is a high school math teacher, wants to lay, uh, lay wants to weigh in on this. Hi, Lane. Uh, good morning. Hi. I've been a high school math teacher since the mid-80s, and uh, I think the SAT has a place. It needs to be factored in along with many other facets when you are deciding uh, the best candidates to get into your college. But I think it's uh, just another sign of dumbing down the system when you throw the test out completely. Oh, and now as a math teacher, I bet, I mean, the, the SAT is a huge math test. I mean, it's word problems, it's quadratic equations, it's uh, intensely it's mathematical. Yeah. It's also problem solving, um, paying attention to the little details within the problem. And that differentiates people that have an eye for detail and an eye that, you know, those that don't. So I'm not saying it's the best way to assess a person's readiness for uh, college, but I think you do a significant disservice if you throw it out altogether. We need people to be those doctors and engineers and architects that, uh, will do well with this type of test. You know, you had a topic last week or two weeks ago where they said um, feeding is a type of problem solving. Well, you know, learning strategies to do well on a test is another type of problem solving as well. Yeah, yeah. Lane, I'm sorry. I initially said he. I didn't realize, uh, but this is ladies' hour. I should have known that. I love that it's Uh, ladies' hour. It's so fitting. Like you said, Women's History Month, we have lots of really smart ladies calling in and and from different perspectives, from the mom perspective, from the math teacher perspective. You guys start using words like quadrant, and then you got to throw a quadratic equation in there. (laughs) I mean, you're going to make my head explode here. (laughs) 
Newstalk 1110 WBT, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, The Zoke, back in the house, and you know what time it is. It's one of our favorite times of the week. David Chadwick joins the mix from The David Chadwick Show, uh, senior pastor at Moments of Hope Church, and, uh, you know, a Tar Heel alum. I should say that today, right? I hope so. We, get, we got one more game, at least, in the tournament, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not real high on their possibilities with the NCAA committee if they don't win tonight, but we'll see. Well, this, uh, I know that you have Pitt and you have Miami in there today, but this has a nice old school ACC tobacco road field today. You got Miami and Wake to start, you got Duke and Pitt, and then you have Virginia and UNC, and then you have Clemson and NC State. I mean, this is, you know, it's not quite uh, uh, back to the days of the, of the team starting it off on Friday, and, 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 uh, but, but, it, but it's close enough for, for, for us, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, and, uh, you know, probably at this point, uh, no one knows because the college basketball season's been so crazy. Anybody can win. Anybody can beat anybody anytime. Mm-hmm. So I, for basketball fans, which I'm one, uh, will be it'll be a fun day just to watch and see the results. I want to bring up uh, a little bit later this half hour. I want to get your thoughts on uh, on Jim Beheim mm-hmm. uh, because here's a guy who uh, 47 years. And yesterday, uh, he calls it quits and sort of unceremoniously. And, and he goes back, I mean, he goes back to the Dean Smith era. Right. Um, so I, I definitely, uh, with your background, want to talk about uh, that eventually here. But we got Zoke here, and Zoke is your guest this week. Jim Zoki, how did you manage to, to pull that off? Well, I begged, borrowed, I didn't steal anything, but he finally said yes to come on the show. No, Jim and I have been friends Well, I was one door apart, so David's like, I don't have anybody else for the hour. <laughs> I've, I've tried everyone, Jim, and Bob McKillop won't come till next week. Could you possibly just help me and Ed through 40 minutes of content. That is I not said, true. Sure. That is not true. Well, I did want to talk about March Madness, mm-hmm. and there could be no greater authority in the world on sports than Jim Zoki, especially with this radio station. And I also wanted to deal with something that's been think I've been thinking about a lot, and that is the changing landscape of sports, the influence of money, for example. And I went back to the 1960s when my dad was reading a newspaper, and I was a young teenager, and he dropped the paper and he said, my goodness, Jake Gibbs, who was a catcher for... Ole Miss, coming out of college, just signed a contract with the New York Yankees, and Dad said, for $100,000. And then he sighed and said, surely there's a ceiling someplace. <laughs> and here we are, you know, 55, 60 years later, and there's no ceiling. There's oh, no wait a minute, ceiling. wait a minute. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that meant uh, back what, in the day. Whatever that means. So I just asked Jim, from his knowledge of sports, that goes back to the 70s, What's going on, and will there ever be a place where money's not driving sports? And I think we talked about it a lot on the show, but we concluded probably not no. that we can see right now. We're not there. We're not even close to there. In fact, it's growing when you look at college with the NIL and the transfer portal, which leads to more sponsorship money. I told David when we were talking that you know the things that used to get programs shut down, like SMU football, boosters paying money to kids to come play there, is now legalized. Yeah, it's encouraged. <laughs> and that's what it is. And you can bet on the games on your phone without going to Vegas or having a bookie and all this and that. So if anything, it's growing and growing. And it's not just TV. It's it's sponsorships of all those kind of things. And we talk about back in the day, a car dealership, a local car dealership for a kid. Well, now they're getting, you know, Coca-Cola sponsoring a kid. And there is no ceiling on that. Just talking the college part, let alone the NFL and 
NBA and Major League Baseball. And we mentioned the LIV golf situation, too, and what's going on there. The people just getting paid without the competitive edge going on in the tournament itself. You know, what does that mean? I told David, to me, it's the most polarizing thing I can remember in recent sports because of what it is. Live golf, for those who don't know, PGA golf has been around forever as the only main level. The Saudis, with this live golf tournament, where many feel like they're laundering their image by paying cash money to have these great golfers, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau come play. They're paying them so much money, but yet there's not really a competition. It's just this whole marketing thing of they're paid up front. Yeah. And so they're making all this money whether they win or not. And it's watered down the PGA Tour, so it's kind of ruined some aspect of the PGA Tour. It's watered it down, and yet they're taking cash money there. But the fan base is so polarized about, I can't believe you're taking that money from – these people and their atrocities in their country just for the cash. Yeah, and we talked some about a comparison with Edwin Gibbons' work, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, and he had several reasons why Rome fell, included within that a gross over-infatuation with sex, an understanding of people not having a nationalistic fervor, the military being hired as mercenaries, a breakdown of the family, and that causing all kinds of problems in the Roman Empire. And then another one that Gibbon notes is a gross over-infatuation with sports. Well, I was wondering from a faith standpoint, as you look at the sporting world now and the way that culturally we revere and look at sports figures, how does that play out in the ways that we think about things like idolatry. Uh, Exactly. I think it is a question of what's number one in your heart, and do you really believe that out of your faith in God flows everything else that should happen in your life, or have you replaced that with an idol of a sports figure? Or Jim and I talked on the show this Sunday about gambling and how that addictive process occurs with even sports betting as well, which is, Beth, you said it well, an idol. It is replacing what's most important in your heart with something that does doesn't last, that is disingenuous, that we have to wonder from one day to the next what's going to happen. And when that happens, I think a culture gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And if that's taking your time, that means you're being distracted from other core things like your faith and your family and your marriage. If you're looking at your phone placing bets or worrying about what next apparel item you're going to buy for your 12 favorite teams that you follow. Yeah, so we're talking about this whole idea of the place of sports in our culture, especially with March Madness, which, you know, when I played basketball back when at North Carolina, we got $15 a month for laundry. And we thought that was the biggest check possible. We'd use it, of course, to try to have clean clothes. But $15 a month laundry was a part of our four-year scholarship. This is why college students don't wash their sheets very often. (laughs) (laughs) But now you look at these different deals of, you, you know, Is it true that one particular quarterback who plays here in the state was recruited by another school for a potential $5 million contract, and unfortunately he turned it down because of his loyalty? But that's a whole other issue as well. Kids don't have loyalty now. They're going to the place with the highest bidder. And what does that say, A, about our culture? What does that mean for the future of sports? Well, and it's not like – I'm sorry, Beth, but it's not like the old days where when you committed to North Carolina – that it was a foregone conclusion, you're staying there for four years. The loyalty, even after you enroll at the school, is contingent now on relationships and records, and this transfer portal means that nobody is here for the long term if they get disgruntled. And another thing that's going on is during the season, the AAU coach or the parents of a certain player is contacting other schools, I guarantee you, and there's recruiting going on even during the season because of the transfer portal. 
the loyalty of a person toward a school doesn't exist anymore because you have a player that comes and goes after one year. You, you don't get to know the players. You don't get to cheer for four years. It's just a completely different game. And again, the question that we started this segment with still exists. Where's all this headed? Right. Where's this going? And my dad asked the question, surely there's a ceiling somewhere for Jake Gibbs signing a contract for $100,000. Well, you kind of tipped your hand. You saw what happened to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't end well. Well, it can't last. I mean, it really can't last. Any culture that bases its most fervent desire on money is a culture that will fall because money is fleeting, and it is not able to meet the deepest longings of your heart. That's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money's the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And when people love money more than God, family, nation, those kind of things which have allowed us to prosper, you're going to have a decline. Hold that thought more with David Chadwick and his special guest, Jim Zoki, coming up Sunday on The David Chadwick Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, we were talking about Live Golf last segment and its effect on the PGA Tour. Well, I, I'd be remiss if I did not tell you that the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass is underway mm-hmm. as we speak. Austin Smotherman is your leader at the moment. That sounds like a cookie. <laughs> I, just, I just got an Austin Smotherman. Smotherman. Or the Smothers Brothers, old TV show. Probably David Chadwick's the only person who remembers the Smothers Brothers. I remember the Smothers Brothers, and they were really, really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, as I say this, Austin Smotherman will probably win. But uh, my point is, is that none of us know who that is. Do you know who that is, Zoke? Never heard of him. Okay, so th- none of us know who that is. There are more people playing in that tournament because there are more spots because live golfers are playing, and, and that's sort of representative of the fractured nature of where we are right now. The TPC has always been, I mean, it's, it's, one, it's not a major, but it's one of those ones that's almost, it's a, it feels like a major. And, and the famous number 17, and that's this weekend, but it's missing some of the greatest golfers in the world because of this live issue. Um, so there's something you guys were talking about in your last segment, and uh, Zoki's on with David Chadwick this week talking about uh, the world of sports and, yeah. and, and, as you do on your show, intersecting everything uh, through a, a faith and values perspective. And uh, so you brought up Liv. Uh, the ACC tournament is going on uh, this weekend. Uh, cranks back up again today, day number three. Tar Heels in action. Wolfpack in action. Deacons in action. I was in uh, Greensboro yesterday. Beth and I were both gone from the show. She was emceeing the uh, 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 Isabella Santos event yesterday. Yes, I was emceeing the Isabella Santos Foundation morning in Paris breakfast. And then I so she left early and I left early and I went up with my daughter who goes to Wake Forest now. We went to go watch the Wake uh, game yesterday against Syracuse, which was a big deal. Uh, Wake's one of those teams teams that they got to win this tournament to get in the big dance. you and as might another team, <laughs> not named, but Jim Zoki's wearing a Carolina blue hat with NC I on knew it. who I, I was talking to today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could not come in wearing anything but a Tar Heel hat today. Oh, boy. So so Wake has to win to continue, and so Wake wins at the buzzer yesterday. Big, uh, maybe end up being the game of the tournament. It's a great game uh, to open up the day, and obviously we were really excited, but the story of that game ended up not being Wake at all. Uh, the further you got away from it, because Jim Beheim, uh, the long of the 47-year coach of the uh, Syracuse program, uh, it was announced yesterday that he's retiring. Now, 
when I say 40, it's funny. I was telling uh, Beth and Zoki yesterday. I was I was I was watching the game with my daughter, and at one point during one of the time timeouts, I just I said, "That guy right there, that he's a big deal. He's been around for a long time. I don't know how long he's going to do this, but he's been doing it for forty something years. Hall of Famer, you know, won titles, been to the Final Four, uh, coached Olympic teams." And as soon as I said that, uh, the game was over, and then we found out that he retired. I want to play you him yesterday in his press conference. I wanted to come back and coach these guys, and and uh, that's what, what what I was able to do. And uh, the university hasn't offered me anything, whether to work or do anything at the university. That's their choice. Um, I was... It was great to see Mike Krzyzewski's at Duke and Roy Williams is at North Carolina and Mike Bray is going to work for Notre Dame. That's that's great. Uh, uh, I haven't had any conversations about that. Uh, I hope that we will. Uh, but uh, I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I, I think you missed it. I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William Payne figured it out. So, so are, you, are you saying right now that you're, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're I not saying... I think I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you're not sure whether you're, when will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. I so, love the look on David's face because it was the same look that I had on my face when I first heard it. Same yeah, thing. It, it sounds like he's saying that I don't really want to retire. Yes. This is totally up to Syracuse University to make this decision for me, which makes you wonder what's going on internally with him and the officials at Syracuse and why this hadn't been worked out until now. It sounds to me right. like he's forcing their hand and wants this answer ASAP. I mean, as he said at that press conference post game yesterday afternoon, People walked out not knowing the answer. Then the school had to come out a few hours later and say he's out and Adrian Autry, the assistant, is the head coach. I don't think they had planned this to be the announcement day, but because of the questioning he was getting, I think they had to address it. And so I thought a term I used was forced retirement. It felt like the Bobby Bowden thing at Florida State, like something along those lines. Like, we appreciate what you've done. You've built this program, but we're going to move on to this assistant and, coach. And he's saying, I really don't want to leave. I, I want to keep coaching. Um, I'm reading into it, but I'm in good health. I still have a good mind. We've been still successful. Um, why can't I keep on coaching? Is this an ageism thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it is an interesting uh, debate right now is when is too old if you're still effective? Well, and, uh, you know, back in 2017, Jim Beheim famously said there's no value to playing in Greensboro. None. I remember that well. Yeah, he did not like that at all. So Felt yeah, like it was too Carolina blue-ish, if you will, or even Duke blue-ish. The city of Greensboro tweeted yesterday great win by wake forest to start the second round of the 2023 tournament despite our first class hospitality cuse again in a hurry to get back home wake bringing value to the tournament <laughs> that's wow. the city of greensboro oh. tweeting that now holding I, the grudge i say all that and part of me is, is that's kind of funny but i'm also a little sad as a basketball fan that a coach with his pedigree and history sort of unceremoniously has that happened yesterday yeah. because you and I both know, I mean, he goes back not just to 
the Roy Williams era. This goes all the way back to Dean Smith oh, yeah. and even the, the days when you played. Yeah, exactly, and I remember him well. Uh, we're, we're not that far apart in the times that we played in college, right. and I remember when he played in college, uh, you, you just regret that he couldn't go out on his own terms. I mean, Coach Smith went out on his own terms in 1997, made the announcement postseason. Roy did so a couple of years ago, went out on his way uh, after the season. Mike Krzyzewski debated as long as you want to, but he went out the way he chose to go out with a, a ceremony of a years-long celebration, and now Jim Beheim is just poof gone it just doesn't feel right and he purposely mentioned those names he saw yeah. in that sound but mike bray included 24 years at mm-hmm. notre dame after being an assistant to k at duke so i mean he purposely made a mention of those coaches and how that's different than the treatment he's yeah. getting it, it feels like he's saying and after all of my years here guys you're going to treat me like this don't i have the right to make my decision when i want to leave in my way mm-hmm. uh, that's what it feels like to me all right we're running a little bit late uh real quick david chadwick show sunday uh, at eight o'clock jim zoki is the guest for the entire entire hour more of this and uh, more great stuff on the way yeah beautiful sunshine out today folks remember if the sun comes up there's always hope david chadwick and the tar heels play tonight on wbt the sky i'm not playing Bo. <laughs> you still have eligibility <laughs> but yeah. i could make a 15 foot jump shot i still think you're, i could you're today. a friend of the program right <laughs> Thanks. yes all right good morning bt everything west of this line is the richest most expensive real estate in the world san diego los angeles san francisco everything on this side of the line is just hundreds and hundreds of miles of worthless desert land, which just so happens to be owned by Alex Luthor Incorporated. Now, call me foolish, call me irresponsible. It occurs to me that a 500 megaton bomb planted at just a proper point would, uh, would destroy most of California. Millions of innocent people would be killed. And the West Coast as we know it would fall into the sea. Bye-bye, California. <laughs> Hello, new West Coast, my West Coast. Costa del Ex, Lutherville, Marina del Ex, Otisburg. Otisburg? Who's Tess Matrika? She's got her own place, man. Otisburg? It's a little bitty place. Otisburg? Okay, <laughs> I just... Wipe it off. Oh, my goodness. The greatest villain in any movie of all time. It's not even arguable. Don't give me Heath Ledger. Don't give me Jack Nicholson. Come on. Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. In 1978, I mean, that set the standard of all standards. He's the original villain. I, I will say that there there was something about him that, as a kid watching that movie, just... Made, he just got under your skin. He just got under your skin as pure evil. Poor guy had to be in Superman 4. Hmm. Mm. The quest for peace. Mm. But that's another show. I bring this up. I play that. One of my favorite scenes. John Moore's as well. I mean, <laughs> I the, oh, and, and, and are you kidding me? I mean, Otis Berg! <laughs> Gene Hackman was spotted. This is according to the Daily Mail, and they have pictures, and it looks like him. Gene Hackman. How old do you think Gene Hackman is now? I was surprised to read this. I'll let you guess, John Moore, because I know. Oh, gosh. Um, 88, maybe? Keep what? going up. Keep oh, going 91. Up. 93. 93. Wow. Isn't wow. that... And to look at these photos, actually, there's a, there's a video in this article as well of him kind of driving away in his car, and he does not look 93, I'll tell you that much. Driving his car at 93. Uh-huh. Driving his car away from a Wendy's where he was enjoying a fast food meal 
um, just out and about in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it is it, it's it's making news because people just haven't seen him. He's a, as you said, Bo. He's reclusive, but he hasn't been in a film in more than twenty years. Yeah, it, I think it was the Royal Tannenbaums yes. was maybe the last one. And you and I were talking earlier, just kind of shooting the breeze, and uh, I sent you this article. And then I, I said to you, uh, he, pound for pound, is probably my favorite actor of all time. And my response to you was, really? Gene Hackman, your favorite actor, pound for pound, of all time? And that surprises you. It really does, and I'm not sure why it surprises me. And maybe it's because in my brain, because he's such a good actor, that when I see him, I think two things. I think Lex Luthor, which when I was a kid, it impacted me like evil. Go away. Run away from evil. And the the creepy attorney in the movie The Firm mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise, the smarmy guy who just hit on women and 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 just didn't have his life together guy i mean he he kind of redeems himself a little bit but that's when end, i but... said he didn't really do that Beth. <laughs> no but he was that good <laughs> he was that good that's how that's how i think of him you need to watch hoosiers and get oh, that out of your mind here we go here we go You got your reasons. You're out of here. That's the part. It was Dennis Hopper, right? Dennis yeah. Hopper had to be the coach. The that's the thing is the you know, Dennis Hopper and then and then Ned Beatty is his like his flunky. Like, yeah. are you kidding me, Ned Beatty? I mean, the guys that he made look like secondary people, and he did it with ease. I mean, I've never seen anything with him in it. However, the size of the part that was bad. I mean, you could also go down Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington. Uh, I forgot about Crimson Tide. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can think of other actors that I like, but I think he just I, he was just awesome. And I hate that that we, we don't have him in anything anymore. I mean, I'm assuming he's like Jack Nicholson. Nicholson's pretty much done. Right. I mean, he hasn't been in a movie in a long time. I assume he's he's uh, he's done. I mean, Clint Eastwood still does things, although his last thing may have been the I think he might have said that was officially it. But, you know, we're losing some of the greats and, I, and we haven't lost Gene Hackman yet, but we've lost him to. Being in anything new. Yeah, well, I, I just was looking at his IMDb page. So since the Royal Tenenbaums, Welcome to Mooseport was actually his last film, which was, that was the one that had Ray Romano. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was a he was a politician in that particular movie. That was 2004. Hmm. So think about how long we've gone without, although his movies are such classic movies that you don't feel like he's been gone from films for that long because, I mean, I just watched The Firm a couple of weeks ago. It was on like TBS or TNT or something. And it was it's one of those films when it's on, you can't not watch it. And it's not because of Tom Cruise. It's because of Gene Hackman. 93 years old or 93 years young, according to this article, because he's out, you know, getting some Wendy's and just doing his thing. Yeah. That Wendy's chili. It's got to yeah. be. Uh, is that, is that yeah, what it was? It, no, it was a little burger because <laughs> he was eating it in his car as he was driving away. And I'm thinking, well, there's the secret to life, guys. A Wendy's cheeseburger. Probably had a Diet Coke in there, too. I bet it was a regular Coke. Well, I yeah. bet he did full on real sugar. If, if he did, then I'm going to start drinking regular again. I'm, pu- I'm going to put you on the regular because I feel like the regular is better for you. <laughs>
I do. There's no hope for me in that department now, Beth. You should know that by now. I know. I'm worried. I'm going to get you some coffee-flavored ice cream, too, to go with (laughs) it. Yeah. Maybe that will actually, like, be the antidote. Yeah. Then I'll become this big coffee snob after that point (laughs) and watch old Gene Hackman movies. I kind of want to see you drink coffee and watch old Gene Hackman movies. I like that version of Bo. I feel like you do it in a bathrobe. Well, there's one more segment (laughs) left today, Beth. Taking me back. All hit 108 WBCY, where you can win a bright red 924S Super Porsche. What? Did you win it? No. (laughs) (laughs) When you were 10? (laughs) I remember the voice guy was like, Super Porsche. (laughs) A Porsche 924S. That's what Jeff Wicker used to talk about. Oh, nice. Yeah. Porsche. I never, is it bad that I still call it a Porsche? No, I do too. No. And that's why I thought it was so funny. All of us, and my parents said, no, it's Porsche. I know everybody corrects me, but I think Porsche sounds better. We have a whole yeah. generation of people. We said Porsche. Yeah. And we still do. I still say Porsche. But the radio announcer said, super Porsche. Super Porsche. <laughs> the voice guy is always right. Yes. <laughs> and this song, this was one of the songs. A song that, the break the that could never be a hit today. Classic. <laughs> but this was top 40 in 1987. Oh. That's why I'm so glad I, I grew up when I grew up. I, I remember skating to this song at Fry's Roller Rink in Concord, North Carolina, and backwards skating in that little center circle. Okay, I didn't roller skate to this. <laughs> but I do remember slow dancing at Camp Thunderbird to this. How do you slow dance to this? It's kind of middle dancing. Like no. it's, it's, it's Yeah, well, we kind of like, we, we're in a group. This is a groove. This is a, this is okay. a vibe, so, though. So medium dancing. <laughs> you, did, you did medium dancing. <laughs> How does one do medium dancing? I, I kind of want to see Bo demonstrate in the hallway. Well, okay. I'm just trying to think. Because um, there's fast dancing where it's groovy, right? And well, then there's this, slow dancing. We, we fast dance to this song right I don't even know how you dance to this song. This song, I don't even know what that dance looks like. I can do the robot today. I'm just trying to think. Like, I told you the other day when we were talking. Now I can't get it to come up. There it is. So the other day I told you that one of the first songs that I ever remembered slow dancing to was this one right here. Oh, Aria Speedwagon. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a slow song. We can agree on that. Oh, I will 100% agree that this is a slow dance song. My very, very first slow dance was at a like a cotillion um, party thing, and I danced to Earth Angel by um, the Earth Angel remake that... Um, From Back to the Future. Yeah, but but the um, what was the band that I, it just left Inside Edition? That Inside no 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 that's a TV show. Oh, no no New no edition? no New Edition. Thank wow. you. No no you want you want uh, you want Marvin Berry and the Starlighters. Well, we yeah. I danced to the New Edition version. Uh, this is the only acceptable version if you grew up when we grew up, Beth. I danced with Knox Morrison. Marvin, Earth listen Earth to this. Angel. <laughs> 
and the pictures coming back and going away. Remember? Yeah. At the fish under the sea yeah, dance. Yeah, the fish under. The, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. He he was on the phone with his his uh, uncle Marvin Gay. Was it Marvin Gaye? Is that who he was talking oh, to? Chuck Berry. Chuck right? Berry. And this Chuck is, Berry. This is his cousin, Marvin. Marvin. Marvin Berry? Marvin Berry. That's right. But I was like, <laughs> and then he starts playing Johnny Be Good. Yeah, he said, that's what, you're not ready for this, but your, your parents are going to love it. Yeah. But my first school dance, my first school dance slow song was to Love Bites by Def Leppard. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Your first slow dance was to Love Bites? By Def Leppard. And my sixth grade slow dance in our school cafeteria with John Turner, who is now a dentist in Concord. No, so wait, kids, listen. if you go to him. <laughs> listen right here. They played this at the dance over... Sex. Yeah. They played that over the speaker at your dance? Yeah, yeah. And John Turner dedicated it to me, which does that doesn't sound very good, does it? I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> just, just thinking about this. Yeah, because that's a little bit of a that's a kind of a sexy song to be playing at the dance at there. this middle school dance. I was in sixth grade. I can't even see where we were standing. Wait, when we make love? I know. Wow. Do you look in the mirror? Wow. <laughs> Who do you think of? Does he look like me? We're talking about all the quaint little things of the 80s. Oh. Yeah. But then do you realize as soon as I say this, I, I'm a hypocrite if I'm making if I'm if I'm acting like this is a big deal, because I told you that after REO Speedwagon, the song ended at the AG high school, uh, middle school dance. Then they went right into this. Oh, yeah. And I'm not kidding. Wow. And I was in seventh grade and I thought they can't play that here. <laughs> and they did. I didn't know what they were talking about. I thought literally they were pushing things. <laughs> Where were the chaperones? <laughs> Pushing a rock up a hill. Yeah. I mean, my little silly middle school brain. Well, Spinderella. For Beth, for Beth, who uh, did not understand uh, the um, what they were trying to say the in that song. Lyrics. Then a few years ago, they came out and said, "Okay, let us really spell it out for you." Spinderella cut it up oh. one time. Then I knew what they were talking about. We need to make a literal song for Beth. Because <laughs> she's not getting it. I mean, not, no, not. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Understanding. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to let you interpret what she just said however you want to. We'll be back tomorrow.